Welcome to our Huntsville City Lifestyle Podcast. My name is Amy Bailey, and I'm your podcast host and publisher of Huntsville City Lifestyle Magazine. In this podcast, we'll tell you the stories of this vibrant city and the people that call it home. Stay connected with us on Instagram at Huntsville City Lifestyle or read all of our publications online at citylifestyle.com. Welcome to this episode of Pop-Up Huntsville. I'm your podcast host, Amy Bailey with Huntsville City Lifestyle. And today we are here with a very special guest, a woman who I admire so very much. And I cannot wait for you all to hear her wisdom and the grace that shines through her words. H.J. Ingram, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, Amy. And when I moved back to Huntsville, of course, your husband and you have been friends with my parents for a long time. Yes. But when I moved back to Huntsville and was around you more, I would say that just simply being around you had such a profound effect on me because of how you lived your life after what you all had been through and experiencing the loss of your daughter. Thank you. If you could just tell us about your journey with Meg and then with Lance, just so the readers have an understanding of what you've experienced. Okay. Well, it actually started with Lance. In 2005, Lance was diagnosed with cancer. And during 2005, he had two bouts of cancer. After his second one, it was probably seven or eight months later when Meg was diagnosed in 2006. And at that time, she was a cheerleader at the University of Alabama. And we didn't really recognize or think about at that point that her journey would be very public. But because she was in the public eye as a cheerleader, she was in the public eye as someone who had cancer. So she was diagnosed in 2006 with a brain tumor, had surgery, radiation, chemotherapy, was in a clinical trial. She was out of school for one semester in terms of classwork, but she did cheer that semester. She went back the next semester, and she was diagnosed the following July with her second brain tumor, and that one we realized was not operable. So when Meg had gotten diagnosed, we knew that the outcome was probably not going to be what we would want it to be. And at that point, she and I had conversations about how she wanted to live her life, about it was a put your money where your mouth is moment in our lives in terms of our faith. She made the decision that she was just going to wake up and live a good life every day until she didn't wake up anymore. She was just really an example of strength and courage, I think. For sure. With the holidays just being over, and of course, we're in a new year, that can be such a hard time for so many people because, Mm -hmm. of course, those loved ones are no longer there. What have you found to help you get through the holidays? I think one of the things that helps me get through the holidays is acknowledging that the person is not there and sharing stories, you know, talking about special moments. And at the same time, celebrating the people who are there. So 
that's one of the things that really helps me is to stay focused on who is around the table, sharing sweet memories about those that are not there anymore. What are the best ways you have found to deal with grief when you just have those really hard days? The best thing that I do, besides pray, I pray a lot during the hard days. (laughs) I pray a lot anyway, but during the hard days, I pray a lot, is talking to friends, to be open about my feelings and to acknowledge those. One of the things that I found early on that was a little surprising to me is how we deal with grief as a society. We expect each other to just kind of button it up after a couple of weeks and move on with our lives and that we're supposed to go back and be normal. If we don't do that, we somehow feel like we're a failure. One of the things that I've really wanted to talk about and acknowledge through my journey is that we should not have those expectations of each other, that we should realize that grief doesn't end, it changes. Right. It comes in waves. It gets easier sometimes as time goes on. But to expect that we will be the same person after losing someone that we were before that loss is an unrealistic expectation for us to have of each other. That makes so much sense. How do you view grief? Hmm. Typically, I view grief as an opportunity, as crazy as that sounds. It gives us a chance to talk about our feelings. It gives us a chance to share with other people things that we have found that help us through the grief. You know, my journey is different than someone else's journey, but there may be things that I did that helped me that would be helpful to someone else. And I think it's important that we take those opportunities to be vulnerable with other people to share our feelings, to help them express their feelings, and work together to help each other be better and to survive on the other side of grief. When you are having those bad days, do you have certain things that you go to, whether it be journaling or a phone a friend? Like, do you have a list of five friends that you know, (laughs) these are my confidants that I know can talk me through this? Yeah, my poor friends. Um, (laughs) I do have what I call accountability partners. We established early on when Meg got sick and we decided how we wanted to face the journey. We shared that with very close friends that would be our accountability partners if we went off track, that they could lovingly remind us of what we said we wanted to be and how we wanted our walk to be. Today, years later, when I have tough days, yes, I have friends that I can call. also feel very strongly that when you think you're having a bad day, that that's the best time to go serve someone else. Because it's a reminder that although you may be having a tough day, there are people who may be having a tougher day than you're having. And serving is a way to get outside of of ourselves and to really focus on what's important, which is paying it forward, being there for other people. And I keep a gratitude journal. I've been keeping one since 2006. And I just write down things. And now I say them out loud as part of my prayers. And it's just a habit. But to pull my mind back to positive before I go to bed at night, and no matter how bad the day has been, to be able to articulate three things, that's my number, three things, Mm -hmm. that bring me joy or brought me joy that day. 
because I feel like no matter what challenges we're faced with, there's always goodness in the day. That's so good. Thank That's you. so good. <laughs> At dinner, we say three things that we are thankful for. Mm-hmm. And we have Mary Bella tell us, our daughter, tell right. us three things that she's thankful for. I think it shifts. It's a paradigm shift in how we look at things and how we look at the world when we can stay focused on the positives. It doesn't mean that we're hiding or we're sticking our head in the sand about challenges that we have because challenges can be very real. Grief is very real and it can be very painful. But life is very precious and it's very beautiful. And to stay focused on that positivity helps us have richer lives. So I'm glad to hear that you guys do that too. And I think any opportunity to take captive our thoughts. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of flexing that mental muscle. Yes. And like you said, it doesn't mean you're not feeling right. those things, but to right. be able to do that shift and flex that mental muscle, I think is so important. Right. It's easy for us to fall into the victim mentality. Right. When intentionality, that thankfulness, that those things take a lot of strength. But I think intentionality and authenticity are great tools for us to have to live a deeper, meaningful life. How has your faith gotten you through these times? Oh, I couldn't have done it without my faith at all. I remember early on talking to Mag, you know, that put your money where your mouth is thing. Mm -hmm. It's easy to have faith when life is going good. Right. You know, (laughs) when you're faced with challenges, where's your faith then, right? right? And I had to look in the mirror and ask myself that question. The answer that came back was, well, if you really believe what you say you believe, then maybe I should be a little jealous. My daughter was going to beat me to heaven, right? Yeah. So, yeah, Meg was always his She was on loan to me. And when I faced that reality, it really helped me accept the circumstances. It doesn't mean I don't miss her. It doesn't mean it wasn't incredibly painful. But it does mean that I can rest in the assurance that I'm going to see her again one day and that God is good and he has taken care of us through these hard times so I I couldn't have gotten through this without my faith. I can't get through any day without my faith. That is beautiful. What would you tell someone who has recently suffered a great loss? I guess the first thing I would say is acknowledge your feelings. Be accepting of how you feel. If it hurts, it's okay to hurt. But as quickly as possible, think about what your future looks like and how you want that future to look. Surround yourself with those accountability partners and tell them how you want your future to look. Write it down and then take one tiny step every day that gets you on the path where you want to be. I believe very strongly that we can go through the grief process and move forward into being the person that we want to be after the grief. You know, not that the grief ends, but having experienced that, if we're not careful, we can get stuck. Right. And then we lose the beauty that surrounds us. Right. Right. So that's what I would suggest. What legacy do you hope to leave with your daughter and grandchildren? I really hope to leave a legacy of paying it forward, that whole getting outside of yourself and 
serving others. I hope that when my daughter and my grandchildren think about me, that they'll see I was the kind of person that wanted to take something that was difficult and use it for something good and something that could help someone else. I'd also like for them to see that I lived a loving, authentic life. It's not always pretty, and I'm not Mm -hmm. always buttoned up, and I say things that I know horrify people sometimes (laughs) because I'm so open, but I think it's important that we're authentic. So many of our issues come from how we think we're supposed to be instead of just being who we are. I hope that when my daughter and my grandchildren look back and think about my life, they'll see that I was an authentic person. What signs let you know that Lance and Meg are with you? Mm. Well, I think I mentioned in the magazine that when Meg was sick, we had our best conversations at like three in the morning. Mm -hmm. I regularly wake up at three in the morning. And I always feel like she's waking me up wanting to talk. So I think about those things. I pray a lot at three in the morning. And then crazy things like mockingbirds. Lance had this thing about mockingbirds. They've started showing up in pairs now. So I feel like it's Lance and Meg just kind of watching me, making sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And then it always seems like at just the right time, our songs come on the radio. Uh, And for years, Meg's friends, when they would hear mine and Meg's song come on the radio, it wouldn't matter if it was nine in the morning or two o'clock in the morning, they would call me and go, Miss HJ, (laughs) I hear your song. Those things really bring back sweet memories. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. I love that they'll call me and just not think about waking me up. Yeah. I I think it's precious. (laughs) And then the last question, what has grief taught you? Grief has taught me to really put things in perspective, to carve out toxicity in my life, to have relationships that are meaningful, to tell people that I love, that I love them. Mm -hmm. I work very hard. I'm not always successful, but I work very hard at leaving relationships in a way that if I'm gone, that person knew how I felt about them. And if that person's gone, I didn't leave anything unsaid that needed to be said, that they knew that I cared about them. I think it has sanded off some of my rough edges that probably needed to be sanded off. I think that's probably one of the biggest lessons that grief has taught me. Is there anything that you would like to add to what we've talked about today? I can't think of anything. Uh, You know, I appreciate the opportunity to talk and to share my story. I certainly want to make sure that this doesn't come out being about me, but it comes out being about how we can support each other when we have hardships and how we can lean on our faith to get us through things. Mm -hmm. And maybe in some small way, My willingness to talk will get someone else to be willing to talk and it will help them on their journey. I think so. I think one of the most effective things we can do is tell our story. That I feel like is the most powerful thing in helping other people. Mm -hmm. And then the more stories you hear, the more empowering it is. Agreed. And not putting on pretenses, but to be real. Right. You know, our stories 
are important, and everyone's story is important. And how we can support each other through those journeys is critical to living a good life. That's what I want people to take away. Well, thank you, HJ, well, for being you. here. Thank you. I love appreciate you. you having me. I love you too, Amy. <laughs> and this has just been a pleasure. I could talk to you every day throughout the day. Well, thank and you. it would just make me feel so good. Will you call me anytime? Okay. <laughs> I would love it. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of our Huntsville City Lifestyle podcast. Stay connected with us on Instagram at Huntsville City Lifestyle or read more at citylifestyle.com. I hope you enjoyed learning more about our city. See you soon.